so good. Well, welcome again, Mother's Day. It is a great day today. And uh, as Aaron shared, I, I don't want the, the mothers to feel slighted at all this morning. We're just so thankful for you and all that you mean to us. We, we actually started a little tradition last year that, uh, that we wanted to continue this year, and we hope, mothers, that you appreciate this. In years past, we've provided little chocolate truffles, which, yeah, yeah, where are those? Well, I, I got to say, I, I appreciated that gift as well because we usually bought extras, and they would be sitting around the church, you know, during the week and just kind of have to help out where you can. Uh, or flowers, but last year we started a, a new thing, and this year we wanted to continue it, and we, we wanted to just make a donation in the name of all the mothers here uh, to the Bethel House, which is a part of the Santa Barbara Rescue Mission uh, recovery program for, for women uh, in, in addiction. And, uh, and Kelly Gorowski is a part of our church. She's not here today. She's the women's program director at the Bethel House. And last year we gave them a gift, and she used it just to throw them a party. I think they went to the beach, and they got pizza, and they just had a big day at, at, at the beach, just a great party. And so I called her again this week and said, hey, Kelly, we'd like to do that again. Is that all right with you? And she said, yeah. And I said, all right, will you be there? Because I want to call you up front. And she said, no, thankfully I'll be out of town. <laughs> she said that, and as only Kelly could say, that deals with that upfront business. But I wanted just to, just to thank the ladies for foregoing your chocolates today, voluntarily or not, and for uh, helping support the women at Bethel House. Let's turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Acts chapter 1, it'll be on the screen as well, but I want to read to us from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Let's stand together, can we? Acts 1, 1 to 11. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time as he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. 
Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Well, it's amazing to me to think about how much difference a day, just a 24-hour period can make in our lives. This week was my son Thomas's 13th birthday. It's a big deal. It's a big day. And uh, so give me a break. I'm so, um, it's good, though, because now um, uh, this, he's made that transition from, from childhood to, to teenager. It's a good thing because I told him this week that I can no longer officially ruin his childhood. <laughs> it's too late. Maybe I already ruined it. We'll, we'll see. But um, now it's on to adolescence. Let's see how we can just mess that up. It's going to be great. Um, but our birthdays are that, that, that one day, that, that period of time. We celebrate so much that has happened in someone's life. I mean, you can't help to boil it down to one day, the impact that, that this person being alive has, has made on us and on the world and just the significance of, of someone's life. But we try to do it in a, in a, in a birthday. Uh, one day. We celebrate not only birthdays in our land, but holidays on our country's calendar that are significant to us as well. Today is one of them, Mother's Day. We, we stop and we think about our moms, and we in particular think about the, our mom and, and just, you know, literally how we would not be here without her. And ju- we just are thankful for, for our moms. And we, we think about some of these other holidays in, in our country. Thanksgiving, we remember the pilgrims and God's provision in the early days of our nation. We celebrate Christmas and the birth of Jesus, among other things, at the Christmas season. We celebrate, I'm sure I'll leave some out here, but MLK Day and President's Day and Memorial Day and Labor Day and Veterans Day. And amidst the picnics and the barbecues and the beaches and the parties and the trips to the park, we do our best, and probably we don't always do so great at it, but we do our best to remember why we got the day off from school or why we got the day off from work and why these days are significant for different reasons. Well, as hopefully you've become somewhat familiar with over the years or are beginning to become familiar with here at Coast Community, there is also a Christian calendar that we pay attention to in the church year. Some of you are very familiar with this. There are some important days that we mark from year to year on this Christian calendar, and we have been marking these in time over the years. Not so much holidays, but what we might call holy days on the Christian calendar. Christmas and Easter, of course, but other days that we may be familiar with or maybe less familiar to us, Epiphany and, and Seasons as well. Days like Ash Wednesday, Good Friday, All Saints Day, Christ the King Sunday. This, uh, this past week kicked off a particularly vibrant stretch of holy days in the Christian calendar. And uh, we don't always in our tradition give a lot of attention to these days, but these are days that have been celebrated through the centuries by the Christian church. 
And important, again, for us, I think, at this season of our life as a church community and as people who are seeking to follow Christ, to pay attention to them as well. Ascension Day actually was this past Thursday. Officially, it's 40 days following Easter. And it's the day on which the church throughout the centuries has remembered and celebrated the ascension of Jesus into heaven, that which we just read about from the book of Acts. Uh, It's also celebrated, as we are today, on the Sunday following its official recognition on Thursday. Pentecost, perhaps a holy day that we're a little bit more familiar with, will be celebrated next week, celebrated 50 days after Easter. And we remember on that day the Holy Spirit being given to the church, and we'll celebrate that next week. And then the next week is one known as Trinity Sunday, when we celebrate God as Father and Son and Holy Spirit. So like our national holidays, one day doesn't quite get at it. You just can't hope to to really do honor to the ascension of Jesus or to the giving of the Holy Spirit or by all means, to the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in, in one day. But, but each of these days give us the opportunity to not only remember the truth that they declare, but to think about how these holy days in the life of the Christian church over the centuries, in the Christian calendar, how they apply to us and how we can celebrate their ongoing impact on the church and in our lives today. So Ascension Day, what can we say about Ascension Day? Well, we can say one thing, that it's actually, in the church world, it's making quite a comeback. Among theologians and scholars, Ascension Day is on the rise, and it's being talked about, no pun intended, um, and uh, it's it's being thought about and talked about and, and reflected upon in lots of of really significant ways. It has always been a part of Christian belief. From the earliest days of the, of the doctrines of the church, Christians have spoken of the ascension of Jesus. From the Apostles' Creed, you remember the words, on the third day he rose again, and he ascended into heaven, and he is seated, or he, is, he sitteth, at the, if you prefer, at, at the right hand of of the Father. And yet, the, for a lot of folks, Christians and non-believers as well, the, the, the ascension has proven problematic, to, to just use a word, difficult to know exactly what to do with uh, over, over the years. There is no simple or single explanation to what we just read about in the book of Acts. There's no easy definition or just step back and say, oh, yes, okay, that's what that means. All right, let's let's take it from here. It's, It's a challenge. The imagery of Jesus being taken up by the clouds is is difficult for our modern minds to grasp and kind of get around. We get the picture perhaps of a helium balloon or a hot air balloon just sort of 
rising up into the clouds until we can't see it any longer and it's lost from our sight in the clouds. And we hear the angels asking the disciples, why do you look into the sky and why do you stare into the sky? And we instinctively answer for them because we just saw our Lord and Savior take off from the earth like a rocket ship. I, I don't know. Maybe that's reason enough to be staring up there where he just went. It's hard to see the forest of meaning and significance sometimes for all the trees of, of assumption and misunderstanding. And we must just admit right at the start that there's a lot about this passage and this event that we don't understand. And probably we can't and we shouldn't try to even explain And yet, again, as I was saying, scholars have now gone back and traced over the centuries how the doctrine of the ascension has been thought of and talked of. And they have noted that when this this doctrine has been ignored or misunderstood in history, they can trace a slide in the Christian church into muddled and even dangerous ideas and practices as goes our thinking about the ascension, interestingly, so goes the life and practice and, and, and authenticity and orthodoxy, right belief of the church of Jesus Christ. These are integrally connected. So yes, the ascension of Jesus may remain mysterious, and we should again resist attempts to somehow domesticate it or explain it. It cannot be a belief that will be fully grasped by our intellect. But we need to let this day have its say. We need to let this idea have its, its full, uh, just the brunt of its full significance into our lives. We need to let the idea of Jesus, not only crucified, dead, and buried, and not only raised from the dead, but Jesus ascended to the Father, speak to us and shape the way that we think and act even in our lives today. So how might we think? Let me just give you a few images or a few ideas that we might process this idea of ascension that are helpful to me, hopefully to you as well. We might begin by thinking of this event in history as both an end and a beginning. An end and a beginning. The ascension of Jesus. Both an end and a beginning. It was the end of an era A career had come to a close. Kobe Bryant, 20 years, a Laker. How many Laker fans in the room? Mm, Not too many. How many Kobe fans? Oh, wow, even less. Kobe Bryant, a 20-year Laker, just this year finished off his season, and it was the Kobe Bryant farewell tour. And uh, the Lakers were awful this year. They were terrible. And one of the main reasons they were terrible is because Kobe, for, in large measure, was terrible. He, he, he needed to retire. It was time. And he's been having various injuries and different things over the last few years. So this was, he announced early in the season, was to be his last year. And so everywhere he went throughout this whole season with the Laker team, and in every visiting arena, there was the, the Kobe farewell, and gifts were presented, and video tributes were played, and, 
and, and word, nice words were spoken and speeches were made and his career was highlighted. The, the plays, the, the high-scoring games, the three-pointers, the dunks, the, the passes. There weren't any passes. Come on, let's be honest. There weren't any passes. Come on, somebody, somebody stay with me. He, he never passed the ball. He shot it all the time. But, of course, the championship banners hanging in the rafters at the Staples Center as well for Kobe. It was, it was quite a career, an amazing career. Every, everywhere they went, he was appreciated, honored, thanked for his contribution to the game. Until, especially, he came, he came to his last home game, last game of the season. He saved the best for last Scored actually 60 points, shot the ball 50 times, and uh, scored 60 points in his last game. In many ways, he had done all that there was to do. Well, illustrations always fall short, so let's make no comparisons between Kobe and Jesus, (laughs) except for the fact that at the end of his days on earth, the ascension tells us that he, that Jesus, had done everything that there was for him to do. He, he, he prays in his priestly prayer in John 17, I have done all that you sent me to do, Father. And, and even more so at the end of his, after he had gone to the cross and been raised from the dead, he had accomplished the very purposes that he had been sent to do. He, his, his career had just had, had, had finished with a flurry in every way. This was the ultimate cosmic mic drop. Stay with me. He had lived, he had taught, served, modeled, suffered, died, been raised from the dead, and now this ascension of his symbolized once and for all that his work on the earth was, was finished. We're told that Jesus used those last 40 days in this in this passage from Acts, where he used those last 40 days following the resurrection to continue to teach uh, the apostles. Thus, this 40-day uh, period between Easter and the celebration of the ascension in the church. We're told that he appeared to them during this period from time to time. We're not sure if he was there all the time and just kind of showing up or if he was, where, what he was doing. But, but from time to time, he appeared to the, uh, the apostles and he taught them. And we're told that he simply taught them about the kingdom of God. He, he tried to reinforce to them what it was that he had been trying to show them for all of these years. Um, talking to them. He was wrapping things up. This was his farewell tour. He was sharing with them all that they needed to know. He was tying up loose ends. He was preparing them for what was to come next. Getting ready for them to take the reins. They still didn't totally get it, as we see in this passage as well, when they ask him about, you know, okay, is this now the time to restore the kingdom of Israel? But, but Jesus didn't have time to argue with them. I like that in this passage. He didn't try to, to correct them. He just said, no, 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 that's not for you to know. That knowledge belongs to the Father. What we know, that, that, what we know is that it was time for them to sink or swim. Things would never be the same. Jesus was leaving the earth. It was an end. His imprint and his impact had been forever made. And yet it was also a beginning. And we have to understand that clearly. If we step back and see it from a different angle, we see in the ascension not just a 
a goodbye, uh, 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 and it is finished, it's a mic drop, it's all done, but we see also a, a brand new start, like someone finding a, a second career in retirement, perhaps. Jesus was by no means done after his earthly ministry was complete. In fact, that whole retirement illustration falls way short because this was no, by no means a retirement, a second career. It was, better said, a, a, a second phase, a new phase of Jesus' ministry that had been from, uh, from the beginning. Uh, he would not be going out to pasture. He would not be moving to the condo in the desert. He would not be tapping into his 401k quite yet. His ascension was simply opening up a whole new field of work for Jesus. Look with me at Matthew uh, 28, 18 to 20. I think I have this passage. Can we read it together? Can you see that? Let's read it. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you always, Jesus says. It's important for us to remember that when Jesus is enveloped in the cloud and taken up into heaven, that's the only way really the the author, Luke, and the apostles could understand that he was leaving necessarily. But it doesn't mean that he was on a rocket ship off into outer space. It wasn't going to somewhere over there. The, the cloud was the reminder of the, the Shekinah glory of God enveloping his son, Jesus, bringing him into his presence. And for us, it's important to remember as we think about the ascension that, that again, Jesus didn't ascend somewhere way over there where we will somehow someday get to go be with him, but that he, he ascended into the presence of the Father in heaven that is not, again, out there somewhere, but even even here, all around us, but not with us. A separate dimension where Jesus is, again, not far by any means, but right here. Picture him not as going to the, the penthouse suite, but, but moving right into the, the, the center office, the, the corporate headquarters, where he now is, is not off doing his own thing, but is in touch and is giving guidance and instruction and leadership to his whole operation. When Kobe retires, we have no idea what he'll do. Maybe uh, broadcasting, maybe ownership. When Jesus moved into the next phase of his ministry, it was to be the commissioner. The commissioner of all that is. The ruler of everything from the right hand of the Father. It's important for us to remember that he's ruling and reigning more than ever before from his place in heaven, and he is with us. Lo, he told us that he'll be with us to the ends of the age. Hebrews 8 gives us another, another picture. Let me just read this for you. Another picture of what Jesus is doing even now in heaven. Here's the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor, 
beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. And there he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. Here, the Hebrew writer says over and over, Jesus ministers. And what does he do? Well, he prays for us. He intercedes for us. He makes available his sacrifice to the Father on our behalf. He stands for us. If he fought for his disciples through all those years, and especially in those last 40 days preparing them, even here from the corporate headquarters, he stands for us on our behalf and defends us and resources us and equips us. It was an end, but it was also a beginning. And even now, Jesus is doing this amazing work. Another idea that we might use is this. We might think of what happened at the ascension along the lines of things being the same, but, but different. Being the same, but different. Now, if you see your mom today, um, just acknowledge the same part. Because chances are, is I look back at photos from my childhood and current photos, my mom looks a little different. And when we look at photos of our own kids' childhood and how me and my wife look, we look exactly the same. <laughs> no, we, we, we look a whole lot different too. But you know what I'm talking about when you see someone and it's like, ah, it's the same. You look the same. But something different. Is it the hair? Is it the, is it the 20 years? You know, whatever it might be. Uh, you know, but we don't want to acknowledge that, but, but, but that's the, the world that we so often live in. We see something, and, and especially as we get older, we see some people or we see some situations or something comes around, a, a second iteration of a movie or a third or, you know, a fourth, and we're like, yeah, that's the same, but, it, but it's different. Well, that's what happens in the ascension as well. It's, Jesus is saying that the ministry will be the same very much that he has carried on throughout his earthly work. But, but in some very significant ways, it will be different now. Luke had written at the beginning of this book, and we read in those opening verses of Acts 1, uh, about how in his first book, the Gospel of Luke, he had written about everything, hear these words, that Jesus had begun to do and to teach until the time he had been taken up into heaven. In my first book, I wrote about everything that Jesus had begun to do. And by implication, what he is saying is that now in this second book, I will write about everything that Jesus will continue to do and to teach. But not by his physical bodily presence, by his own words, but what Jesus will continue to do and to teach through the ministry of his apostles, through the ministry of the first Christians, empowered by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Even when the disciples start talking about restoring the kingdom to Israel, again, Jesus doesn't have time for this discussion. It's like, guys, I, I only got a few hours now. We don't have time to talk about that. But what I want you to do, as I've already said, is wait for the gift that the Father will give to you, the Holy Spirit who will come on you, and then you will be my witnesses, you will be my representatives to Jerusalem and to Judea and Samaria and to the utter ends of the earth. This is what I want you to focus on. 
The Holy Spirit will, the very Spirit of Jesus will come and fill you and strengthen you by the presence, uh, by his presence. John had baptized with water, but now you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is all over this. Jesus just wants to say, it's going to be the same because it's still me. It's still my spirit carrying on my work, but it's going to look different because it's you. It's your hands. It's your feet. It's your voice empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had told them that this was coming back in actually the night before he was crucified. He he, the night he was betrayed, he, he had told him, he met with his disciples and he was talking about these things in those last hours of his, of his life before the crucifixion. John 16 has this wonderful promise that Jesus gave to his, his disciples. But now he said, I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve, understandably. Because of what, I've, of what I've told you. But in fact, listen to this. If you haven't heard this before, this is going to knock you over. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate or the Holy Spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. You see, Jesus is saying, yeah, it's the same, but it's different. And guess what? It's different in a in a good way. I, I have to go. i got to clear out. I've, I've done what I've come to do, and I've got to get out of the way so that the advocate can come. And just as I've been with, with you in person, now he will be with you in spirit, and I will be with you in spirit through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And, and I will not be confined as I have been by my body to one particular place in one particular time, but I will be present through my spirit in every time and in every place. Empowering all those who would believe. Go to be my witnesses. Go to be my representatives. The Spirit isn't going to introduce anything new. Don't worry. It's not, it's, it's, not a, it's not a new curriculum. It's the same curriculum. In fact, in other places, Jesus says, he'll just remind you of everything that I taught you. He's just going to reinforce and teach you and remind you and bring back to your minds everything that I've said, everything that I've taught. It's not a new curriculum. It's the same, but it's different. It's what the ascension promises us even today. We're a part of that different. We're a part of those who might be empowered, filled with the Holy Spirit, carrying on continued work of Jesus in the world in which we live. Finally, this idea about the ascension. We need to remember this as a, a day of great celebration and a day of great anticipation. A day of great celebration and of anticipation. This is a day of worship. I hope that you noticed and sang the songs that we sang this morning and declared those readings with gusto. It sounded to me as if you were doing that. Songs and words speaking about the king of glory, the exalted one, the one who reigns 
forever and ever. These are the songs. This is the worship that we have, we have given to God today. This is the offering that we have made to him, this risen and now exalted Christ, one who is worthy of our celebration. I'm not so much sure that the response to the ascension of Jesus is one of doing as much as it is one of being. Be amazed. (laughs) Be in awe. Be in worship to this Lord of lords and King of kings who has now been given all authority over heaven and earth. And even though the earth doesn't seem to recognize it quite yet, is continuing to show his power into the world and inviting us to be with him in making his ways known everywhere we go. Might we be in awe today of this exalted and ascended Lord Jesus. Listen to the words from Philippians, that great hymn of Philippians chapter 2. And so often we focus on the kenosis. In fact, the name of this hymn in Philippians chapter 2 is the kenosis hymn. And the word kenosis means the emptying. And, and so often when we think about these words from Philippians chapter 2, we think about the emptying of Jesus, emptying himself so that he might take on flesh and go to the cross, take on the very nature of a servant. But we dare not forget the promise that comes towards the end of that hymn written in these words. Therefore, after Jesus had taken on that very form of a servant and become obedient to death, even death on a cross, the hymn sings, therefore, I wish I could sing it, I don't know the tune, but God elevated him, Jesus, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every known place in the universe and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the the type of overflowing hymn of praise that we are to that the Ascension Day calls us to live with, this sort of just bubbling up like on the, on the edge at the brim of our hearts and lives, grateful for who Jesus is, praising him for what he's done and for all that he still is able and desires to do. This risen again and ascended Lord is Lord of Lords, King of Kings. He is even now that one who's been given authority We are to be the ones who are helping to make that authority known by the way we live our lives and by the words that we share. So so we don't stare off into space as the disciples did. What do you do there? I can just see them. I can just picture them. What was that? But so quickly, in what seems almost, almost uh, this chiding fashion, the angels appear. Why, why are you looking there? Why are you looking there? And you know what they're saying, right? Get to work. Essentially, what they're saying is, get to work. Don't look there. Get to work. And work as he worked in the power of the Spirit, but with this 
confidence, this sure anticipation that your work has a purpose, that your work has meaning, that your work has deep significance, that your work is not just for this world because the one who left you will come again in the same way. He'll be revealed from the Shekinah glory of God that took him into his presence. He'll be revealed in such a way that he will make all things known and he will make all things right. And everything that we've done in him will find uh, fullness and fulfillment and its perfect end. So we celebrate. But we don't do so with our eyes looking into space. We do so with our eyes looking right here, right around us, in this world that has such great need of a Lord of Lords and a King of Kings. We look right here to a world that still hasn't quite figured out the kingdom of God, but, but to whom we've been sent to help make it known. We look right here, proclaiming that our Lord can be their Lord, that our Lord, this King of Kings, might rule and reign every heart, and that he will come again someday. Well, it's the last Sunday in the season of Easter, and we've been taking communion every Sunday this season, and we'll finish that uh, stretch today by receiving the, the elements of the Lord's Supper again today. I want you to do it with a special joy. We'll, we'll We'll continue to take communion every first Sunday of the month, and, and, uh, but, but today as we finish this season of Easter and move into Pentecost and then these other holy days and the days to come, we'll, we'll move back into a regular pattern of receiving the Lord's Supper. But I want you today just to receive it with a special joy, because when Jesus ascended, this is one of the gifts that he left us that we could be very, very reminded of his, his presence, that when we take the the bread, and when we take the cup and, and we, we eat and, and we drink, we, we bring to mind, we don't just remember, but we bring right to our minds and right to our hearts the presence of Jesus, the exalted, ascended, bodily presence of Jesus. And this is a way that he helps us to remember that even now he rules and reigns, that he sits at the right hand of the Father. And so as you eat and drink today, would you do so with great joy? Would you celebrate what it is that he's done? Crucified, dead, buried, risen, exalted. And would you do so with great anticipation of that heavenly banquet table that we will one day share with him? Let's bow our heads together. Thank you, Lord, for this day. I'll invite our worship team and servers to come. This day in which we can remember this, this event, this very mysterious, hard to explain, hard to pin down exactly what happened necessarily, and hard even to, to completely fathom all that is going on in this idea, this event of your ascension into heaven. But thank you, Lord, that you invite us to this day and that, that we can join with the church, the the clouds of saints throughout the generations, throughout the centuries who have, who have noted the, the significance of this day, noted just how important it is for us to, to be grounded in this reality that our Lord and Savior who, 
who was walking with us and who died and who was resurrected is still alive and is still very active from the throne in heaven, the corporate headquarters. He's still very much in charge of things. Help us, help us, Lord God, to know that because he is, we don't have to be. Help us to know that that because Jesus is Lord and Jesus is still at work, that Jesus is ruling and reigning, that we don't have to grab, we don't have to grasp, we don't have to strain, we don't have to, to, to somehow think that it's all up to us. Help us to rest in the Lordship of Jesus. And help us even now, Lord Jesus, our ascended Lord, our 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 exalted king, to celebrate you and to anticipate your return through the celebration of the supper. Thank you, Jesus, that you invited your disciples to eat and to drink. You broke and you blessed the bread and the cup and you told them to eat and to drink and to remember you. And you invite us to do the very same, to remember you and what you did, but to remember also that you are alive today and that you desire more than ever to be with us and to intervene through your spirit and to direct and to guide and to help us. So strengthen us now, Lord Jesus, as we receive the bread, the symbol of your body broken for us, and the cup, the symbol of your blood shed for us. Help us to do it with joy and with thanksgiving in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. In our church, we celebrate an open table. It means if you're a follower of Jesus or seeking to follow Jesus today, you are invited to come and to participate. I invite you to form a couple lines when our servers are here, and you can take the bread and dip it in the cup and to eat of that. And to, as you do, again, receive the grace of Jesus in your hearts and lives. Let's stand together, can we?